Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. This is episode number 14. We're your hosts. I'm Kate Norris. And I'm Thomas Craft. Whether you're pitching your business, speaking at a work meeting, or on the stage, we're here to help you present with clarity and confidence. Today, we're talking with the host of the First Time Facilitator Podcast, Leanne Hughes. Leanne Hughes is the host of the First Time Facilitator podcast and is based here in Brisbane, Australia. She loves to shake up expectations and create unpredictable workshop experiences. Her philosophy is maximum fun, minimum buzzwords. Leanne has facilitated leadership, onboarding and team building workshops across Australia, Canada, Indonesia and Mongolia and believes in a strength-centered approach to learning and development. Leanne delivers impactful and pragmatic leadership development and soft skill workshops for graduates through to mid-level leaders. In 2018, she was a finalist in the Australian Learning Impact Awards for Learning Professional of the Year. Leanne Hughes is a fellow podcaster here in Brisbane. She is the host of the First Time Facilitator podcast, which interviews and shares ideas around facilitating workshops. We love the show, and I was her guest back on episode 51. Leanne is joining us today to share some of her experience as a facilitator and a speaker. So welcome to the Presentation Boss podcast, Leanne. Thank you so much. Thanks for returning the favour. It's great to be on the show. So the first question that we always ask all of our guests is what made you interested in communication, especially from a facilitation Mm. point of view, and um, how did you get started? Yeah, it's a really good question. I guess when I was younger, um, so my dad's an engineer. Uh, One of my early memories of him was actually walking around, pacing around our garage, and he had his hands, like he was doing something with his hands, and he had these palm cards. I was like, what are you doing? He said, I'm practicing. I'm going to speak at this upcoming conference. I was like, right, okay. That sort of set the expectation for me that preparation is really important. And I also saw that he was travelling to these conferences and I don't know, something inborn within me, I love travel. So I thought, wow, there's a role where you can, if you can speak, maybe it opens up doors and opportunities to go to different locations. But I think what was so memorable about it as well was the amount of practice that he did mm. with those palm cards yeah. and, and using the gestures. And then I sort of later on, I guess watching movies like The Mighty Ducks. Did you guys watch yes. that movie when you were younger? One of my favourites. And like Emilio Estevez of the speech about um, ducks fly together. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in that movie, I just loved listening to motivational speeches. And I'm, I've just been interested in personal and professional development. And it's always through the power of, of audio, through Jim Rohn audios that I've learned, through Tony Robbins sort of stuff. Yeah. And then uh, I was working in marketing and going to a lot of these conferences and came to a point where I'd read up so much that I was sitting in these rooms and I was listening to stuff that I'd already heard and thought, I might just have a crack at delivering some of this stuff because mm. I, I've got to a point where I think I can I can share knowledge with other people but that they may not know. Yeah. And that's what really gave me the push to, to get up in front of the room. Yeah, brilliant. And mm. we've seen you speak and you're a beautiful speaker. You were a keynote speaker at an event that I was running earlier in the year. Yeah, I love your style and how you present. So, Oh, thank yeah. you. And thanks. That was a really cool opportunity as well. And, yeah, you guys are doing amazing work. It was really great meeting that community as well. Yeah. I had great chats yeah. at the end. Oh, excellent. Mm. Brilliant. So tell us about your job now. Oh, I wouldn't call it a job. Right. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> oh, yeah. As a solopreneur. So I actually... 
quit corporate. I dropped out of corporate in February. Uh, mm-hmm. What I'm doing now is really based on what I was doing. I was working for a big global mining company, uh, working in the talent management and development space, so facilitating onboarding, uh, leadership days, creating mentoring programs, all based around staff development. Yeah, right. And had a great opportunity travelling to Mongolia, Canada, Indonesia, and around Australia as well. <laughs> and you quit that. <clears throat> Yeah, and actually one of the best, yeah, well, when I got Mongolia under the I was waiting for Mongolia. And I was like, got that, and I'm like, right, now it's time to, well, I just thought I had all these amazing opportunities. I um, facilitated strategic sessions for our executive, and I thought, what else could I possibly do in this job that I haven't done already? I yeah. just couldn't see, like, what could have beaten last year? Nothing. And I really wanted to just give it a crack, giving Solopreneur a crack, because it gives you the chance to work with different industries, um, but you're right. One of the things that I was most fearful about was quitting my job and not travelling and just being stuck in Brisbane. But yep. yeah, I've got some upcoming work overseas, which is really exciting. So what I do now is essentially, I've really got to figure out my focus area, but I do a lot of corporate soft skill training, particularly in the areas of leadership development, as well as career development and team programs, not team building. But usually uh, all the time at my old job, you get managers coming up and saying, hey, we've got a couple of hours. We want to do a team activity to get to know each other. We need to work on communication, something very broad. Yeah. And yeah. I, I use a few really cool tools like the Clifton Strengths Finder for yep. developing yourself and your teams, as well as a lot of the brain science stuff related to leadership. Yeah, brilliant. Mm-hmm. And you've just been overseas doing yeah. Clifton Strengths. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and that was so funny because um, a couple of years ago I picked up because we, I don't know, do you guys like doing tools about yourself? Like there's yes. Yeah, profiling yeah. tools, yeah. Yep. I love it. Like, all started from MBTI, what, 15 years ago? Yeah. I don't know how accurate that is. but uh, Is that my bricks? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love my bricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your type? Do you know? ENTJ. Okay. Do you know how you can tell what an ENTJ is? No, tell me. Oh, they'll tell you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. That's good. Thomas, what's yours? INTP. I'm ENFJ. Oh, what are the F types? Feelings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we can keep recording. You won't kick me off. <laughs> uh, so, started there. Yeah. So I um, discovered that tool a couple of years ago and it yeah. was the, probably the, the only report I've read where it's like, oh, my gosh, like it even captured phrases that I say. Like yeah. wow. those, you actually cringe when people say we've always done things this way. Oh, and I'm yep. like, I actually do. I cringe. I hate that's why I hate that statement. So this report was really accurate. So and then, what were your top five? Yeah, so, well, there's the top five. Top so five, mine's yep. um, ideation, maximizer, yep. futuristic, activated positivity. Sounds like a good combination for being an entrepreneur and by yourself and yeah, moving ideas. Yeah, I think my husband, um, this, <laughs> the whole activator thing is is both a blessing and a bit of a curse. So <laughs> what, like, does that, one, what does that mean? Activator means that once you have an idea or something happens, you just want to take action straight away. So you yep. don't sort of really wait to get detail. You just go with it. Mm-hmm. Example yeah. is this is why he can get frustrated. I think a few years ago we were talking about a holiday to Africa and like next two days I booked a trip to Africa. <laughs> so oh, he doesn't wow. even want to talk about des- dream destinations because I'll just – He's scared that you'll make yeah, it Yeah, we'll do. be like on YouTube finding out and then bang, it's booked. So <laughs> <laughs> Wow. It's worked. It's, it's good. But, it, yeah, I mean sometimes I wear myself out because yeah. of it yeah, yeah right yeah <laughs> so you moved from corporate into working for yourself you must have had some sort of a lead up mm. while you were still employed um so you can make that transition rather than a sort of income stops today oh and then- yeah 
And this is what I definitely see and I what do not recommend is like just quitting a job and thinking that you can start a business and it's going to be successful. There's a lot of things that you need to do before you leave, I think. And one thing I haven't done, like I said before, is really figuring out that targeted niche. But I did have start building an audience. I had a bit of a network behind me. What was happening is that I had to actually refuse a few jobs when I was in my corporate job. I had to say no to yeah. a few things. And I was like, well, now I'm missing out on these opportunities. Maybe that's a sign that I can start. And look, the worst case scenario is I find another job. It's not yeah. people are like, oh, you're so brave. But I don't think it's that brave. I think it's more about I'll give this a go. And mm. there's still a job market out there. I'm not unemployable. Yeah. In fact, the experience that we get from running a business is pretty tremendous, the learning curve. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's come back to the facilitation area. What do you see the difference between speaking as a, a keynote and facilitating in a workshop in terms of communication? Yeah. So I think the key difference is the environment. So I'm actually reading a book now. A guy called David Epstein wrote a book called Range and he talks about yeah. learning in two different types of environments. He calls it one's a kind environment and one's a wicked environment. Right. And I see keynote speaking as a kind environment in that it's controlled to a certain degree. Mm, it's mm -hmm. a one-way conversation. Everything mm -hmm. is controlled. You've got yeah. your technology there. You've got um, you're talking, you know, you want your, your audience to engage, but you're not getting any sort of feedback that makes you pivot on a dime. Yeah. Whereas facilitation yeah. is a really wicked environment because it's you facilitating group discussions and we can't control what humans think, say, feel or do. Yes. We can influence things to a certain degree. But pure facilitation is coming in and actually really harnessing what's going on in the room, which means it's a wicked environment. There's so many unpredictable and uncontrollable variables. Mm. And there's a challenge, I think. Um, You've got a lot of emotions at play as well. Yeah. There's so many things that influence that conversation. So status in the room, the environment itself, whether there's even there's natural light, down to even the catering. <laughs> <laughs> Most important, arguably. Yeah, but yeah, and the type of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so many people complain about the coffee, like, oh, this is not starting off well. <laughs> We've had that, yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, you can throw out a question and, and you might get silence. So then you've got to figure out, okay, what's going on here? Is it the question too complex? Have we gone down this subject matter too early? Mm. What level are they at? Do they actually understand? Like, what do we need to do here? Maybe they prefer talking in small groups as opposed to yelling out answers. It's just constantly, it's quiet draining because you are having to figure out all the time the best way to engage with the people in your room. And I know that you both are speakers and you do workshop facilitation as yeah. well. Yeah. Do you find it the same? Or yeah. what was you, well, in terms of we have the luxury, I guess, of um, whereas in your case you'd be kind of thinking and having to communicate at the same time. Mm. If one of us is speaking, the other gets the a couple of minutes to sit and think and kind yeah. of process and watch the room. Um, and get to kind of understand the dynamic while we're not trying to speak and communicate at the same time. So mm. I think, yeah, we have a bit of luxury there. And that is, that's why I love co-facilitation as well. Mm. I mean, for that for that reason as well, because you get to observe, actually play the role of observer and relax at the back while the other person's having a go. And also it just gives the audience a bit of... Um, Bit of variety. Bit of variety, yeah. We do find that because Kate and I are obviously different people. Um, <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> in case you hadn't worked it out. Uh, you know, like I'm a single male. Kate is a, a woman with a family, different backgrounds. People connect with different people. So it's, yeah. And you get to split the content a little bit as well, mm. which is always And nice. totally different styles yeah. speaking as well. Mm. So it sounds like what you're saying is when you're doing a, a workshop or facilitation, it's actually quite reactionary to the audience. You, you're continually yeah. making that judge and using that F-type in your, your Myers-Briggs, whereas from stage you're just presenting in it's one directional. Yeah, and I think also when you're presenting, you, to a certain degree you are trying to pick up on what 
um, the audience is kind of thinking. Sometimes I'll adjust my language if I'm not really hitting the mark yeah, or, right. yeah, you're right, it is. It's really about, well, the good facilitators do it. I mean, there's facilitators out there that don't do it, but that do, this is the thing, it's the problem that I had with some facilitators is that they'd approach a training session like it was a keynote speech. Like a lecture. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. And, it's, and that's actually why I started my podcast because I was searching for people that were talking about that, this whole like, wicked environment and how you respond because that was what I was struggling with I have no problem getting up and giving a speech I find that a lot easier because that all it's relying on is your preparation and your practice which is all controlled and you can control that but with facilitation I was like how the hell do you manage Mm. what everyone's feeling and thinking super hard Mm. so when you're giving a speech we would know if you're speaking for let's say 30 minutes you'll have 30 minutes of content. If you're giving a three-hour workshop, I'm guessing you may have sort of five hours of content. You need to pick and choose on the fly which bits you drop in. Yeah, and I've got this like I usually have like a printed – I have an iPad, but for this I usually print something out because I want something that's not going to – you know, battery might die. I don't know what's going on. So, like, it's pretty reliable. But I'll go, okay, this activity, 20 minutes. But sometimes someone will bring up a story that will spark something else off and you've got 45 minutes that have gone. So you're like, okay – this next thing, how I'm going to reduce it to get everyone out on time. Um, and I'm really, really strict about getting people out on time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure as well meeting the learning objectives for the session. Yes, yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's the thing as well, um, and I'm sure you find it and tell your, your um, audience this too, but no one knows what you're meant to be talking about. So yes. unless you've got these pre-scripted workbooks, <laughs> like, but like you can, they don't know what you're meant to cover and what you weren't. Yep. So... As long as you're like hitting the outcomes in whatever way that you can, it's okay to shuffle things around. I actually like it when the when it does get extended because of something it's someone is bringing up and there's engagement there. I will let it go on. I won't just say, yeah. right, that was 20 minutes now, move on. Like I yeah. love when people start that conversation. You've it's got really a bit of great. interaction, a bit of buy-in and interest. Yeah, yeah. Much more interesting yeah. than me talking, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the major problems or common problems that you see with effective training? Mm. I think what I alluded to before yeah. is that um, people come in and thinking I'm the expert in the room. No one in this room else has experience that I have and I'm going to tell you what you think. So what that stems down to is they're not really doing enough research on who is in the room and their level of expertise. Where facilitation can get really interesting is where you've got people in the room with no experience as well as people with like 10 years experience. So particularly in leadership programs, sometimes they'll have yeah. people that don't even lead teams yet and you've got someone that's led a team for 15 years. So... Then it's really about right, this person that's on it for 15 years, they're like, who's this Leanne that's up the front telling me how to lead? <laughs> yeah. So it's like actually bringing them on. They can be the champions. I constantly defer to them for what's your experience been with this to bring them in to think that, right, I'm actually going to use your status and your experience to help Value coach. Them. Exactly. Where, where it sort of fails where uh, the expert will stand up in front of the room, not assume any of that and just go, mm. this is how it's done and not mm. engage. And adults love sharing their experiences if you give them that environment where it's safe to do so. Yes. Yeah. The other thing I sort of see is, yeah, like a lack of preparation, like, hey, um, right, now turn to your workbooks. Um, it's on page and scrambling through. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, right, we're talking about this topic. Page four of your workbook, you'll see question one. I really value that professionalism. I think it means that they've actually taken the time out to think about those little things that do make a difference. Yeah. yeah. It certainly sounds like preparation is key, probably above all else. Big time. Yeah. And that's what I'm working on for this program I'm running um, next month is like every sort of every day for 30 minutes, I'm just really getting into the content seeing how that relates to the slide, how it relates to the workbook, what's the key phrase in the workbook I want to pull out, what's the story, what's the stat around that as well. Because I think you talk about, before this conversation, Kate, we were talking about 
you are getting metrics and creating stories with that too, mm. which is amazing. So it's with the audience, I'm, there's a lot of technical like engineers and accountants and there's a lot, a lot yep. of soft people like HR people. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> so it's like stories work really well, but people also want my data. So yeah. it's like for each one of these modules, it's what's the data I can pull back on if I get challenged on it. And that isn't just my own stat of what I've observed. It's something that's been researched. And then what's an interesting story I could share about it? So this is content that you've been, or a, a program that you've been given yes. rather than one that you've created yourself. Yes. So what do you see as the difference if you're presenting you know, a standard module or content that mm. you've been given as opposed to getting to write your own workshop so that like we have the luxury of doing, oh, yeah, I but love, not everyone may? I love writing my own workshops. Yeah, yeah that's definitely, like I'd love to just do that. What I'm doing with this one is you've got to deliver on what the client wants, but I've got to do it in a way that's right for the audience and I feel comfortable with as well. So I will get the content and I don't take it as the lockdown script at all. Yeah. Don't tell the client that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to do what I can. Like there's, I'm watching these amazing videos as well that I really can really emphasize a point. So I'll get that content, but I'll figure out how it relates to my style of facilitating who's in the audience, what will work for them. So really making it yours as much as possible. Customising it, yeah, without making not going OTT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if it was my own workshop, I'd do a few crazy things. <laughs> but you're still being brought in to facilitate, so you have to bring your own personal you flavour. Exactly. It's like why then you, you could just get anyone, right? So exactly, they just get a suit in. Yeah. Yeah, sure. um, so that's kind of the major problems. Mm. So then what do you see are the qualities of a really effective trainer? Mm. So the qualities of a really effective trainer, I think if we can all just is cast it, our, yeah. yeah, it's probably the opposite of what I've said. Mm. So, but I, I think, um, I don't think facilitators need to be entertainers, but I do think there is some level of, they do need to do whatever it takes to keep, keep their audience engaged. That is authentic to them. Yeah. If you reflect back on some of the workshops you've been to, what has stood out for you? Yeah. I went to one and I loved her, um, the woman that was running it. I loved her storytelling technique and just how she was able to keep me so engaged even though it was it was a bit of a one-sided workshop but she was so interesting and fun to listen to yeah yeah that's great how about you Thomas I think I've talked about this in even our training is a lot of facilitation I've seen they do a good job of sharing information without sharing the inspiration to actually go out and act after the fact right clever so I, I really like getting information that I can action and do something with rather than entirely inspiration as well so I think for me the the best sessions I've seen have been a good mix of inspiration and information mm. and that's probably the number one thing for me is contrast and that's what you're alluding to as well yeah yeah um whenever i sort of look at a workshop and how it's been designed design's key and what i mean by that is all right so you might have got a welcome exercise great then you go into some content which might be a slide then flick to a video then is there another activity you can do or a think pair share right now is there a story you can tell now is the data are people standing up? Are they moving? Now we have a break. Yeah. Come back. And it's just creating constant contrast. So the best feedback I can get at the end of the day is, wow, that day went by so quickly. Yeah, right. I think it's because they don't even realise that they're getting all this information because that can be tiring for people just sitting there and absorbing information. It is. So it's exhausting. Yeah. Changing up the delivery method and the contrast, which even probably comes back to even my, the way that I speak. And I know that you spoke um, when you were dissecting that TED video, the power of the pause something I don't do often enough, but it's like <laughs> yep. bringing that contrast like all the time, even the way that you express it, your alliteration, tonality, all of that is important. Presenting from the front of the room, the side of the room, the back, constantly contrasting it. Keeping a dynamic range in whatever you're doing. I know that's certainly a consideration we have is you, you can't lecture for too long, you need to change it up. Yeah. The same, it's I like imagine- my five minute rule. 
five minutes is I feel, well, I just change. feel like, I, I, yeah, I feel like if I've been going for five minutes and I'm like, all right, that's time for me to do something, ask a question, get people talking or just do something else. I think five minutes is, I, I feel like people are just looking at me and I feel like it's glazing over. So either mm. I need to up my ability to, to keep that engagement for longer or if I haven't got that yet, then I'll yeah. mix it up. I don't even know if it's five minutes, but I, I definitely realise there's a time where I've been talking enough and I can just feel that it's going over their heads. I can feel it. You can yeah. feel that can change feel it, yeah. between engagement yeah. and glaze. And like, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> that's enough, Leanne. Like, yeah. Like, I just, I, yeah, it's something that I pick up on. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. I pick up on it even when I'm not at the front of the room. So You're sitting in the I'm audience like, of facilitation oh, come now. Come on, and... move it along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a discussion came up in your Facebook group just recently. Somebody had said that they were at a group and they were well glazed over. Because oh, yeah. the, guy, the, the guy presenting probably was not the world's greatest facilitator or hadn't been taught how to run workshops like that. So imagine you're that person sitting in every workshop you're ever in, judging what's going on in the room. Oh, gosh. And, that yeah, that was really funny because she used our Facebook group as a bit of a support yeah. thing because she's like, I've just sat through nine hours of this. And and the other thing that was really bad about that was that not even the content was accurate or relevant. Mm. Or, that's right, yes. And I think that's the whole – my aim is just to stamp out these terrible workshops because mm. we waste so much time. I think about the cost of, of sending people to these things and just the time time alone wasted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but I also have empathy for the guy running it because he hasn't either been taught or hasn't really, I don't know, like this as a skill that he can pick up. Yeah, Yeah, and Mm. if he obviously understands his audience, he's probably detecting that this isn't going well but has no No, tool set to change that. Yeah. Yeah. So have you ever had an experience where things have not gone to plan in a workshop? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) all all the time and most of them have been positive. The one I sort of come back to a lot and the real driver for the podcast was an experience in Canada I had when it was this, I was the only female in the room. It was like 20 men from mining and I was I think I'd been up since I'd had three hours sleep because I was severely jet lagged. Yeah. <laughs> First time running this program as well. And yep. second yep. half of the day, it was all about getting up and running a pre-start, which is like a, a meeting that supervisors have at minds when they start their shifts. Yeah. Yep. So, like a safety briefing kind yeah, of Yeah, it's thing. like getting yep. up, allocating people to trucks, mm-hmm. telling them about the safety hazards. And it's, it's usually the worst. Like the person running it has no idea how to start it. It puts everyone to sleep when he should be switch- he or she should be switching everyone on. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's actually, you know, people get out of their comfort zones having to get up as part of the workshop. And so one of the guys going around the room, everyone's taking turns, getting up, doing a two-minute pre-start. So they had five go on, they were good, six person. He's like, no. I'm like, Rob, you know, um, would you like to come to the front of the room? He's like, I'm not doing it. And like folds his arms. Wow. Yeah, he just would not participate. Right. And he looked really angry. <laughs> he looked really angry. He's like, oh, face wow. was red. It's like okay, and uh, and this is when I was really new to facilitation. So I was like, okay, um, next, would you like to get up? And he's like, no. Oh no! <laughs> oh, yeah. It started a you'd, chain. Yeah, well, it did. Well, it had of- started a chain, and then I was like, okay, I need to do something. I need to do something here. I didn't have a toolkit at that stage. Yeah. Um, but that morning we talked about the ladder of learning. I don't know if you've heard. It's ba- no. it's the way that we learn, and basically it's saying that you have to go through ouch moments to learn any new skill. Okay, so yeah. I actually had that okay. flip chart, and I went back to it. So I paused. Remember this ladder of learning? We all spoke about getting out of our comfort zone. I rearranged, like, sort of reiterated that. Yeah. Ouch moments. We're all part of this together. It's a safe environment. So the second guy got up again and he, he did it. And then the others followed and they all did it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then I, oh, man, that was bad. Like, I couldn't sleep that night. I was, I mean, I was jet lagged, but I was also thinking, <laughs> what should I have done? What should I have done? What should I have done? What am I going to do tomorrow if he says no? What am I? 
was very intimidated. That's always a key skill whenever you're speaking or facilitating is those those moments always go wrong. And you, you know, you, you go back and you reflect like, how can I... How can I anticipate this next time? What can I have up my sleeve for this mm. next time? Which I think comes back to what you were saying about preparation and having a bit extra stuff there ready to go. Yeah. And I, I rang up a few people when I got back and said, this happened, what would you do? Yeah. And that was a good perspective. So um, so one of the, the advice that was given was she would have stopped the workshop and said, all right, we'll have a bit of a tea break. Hey, um, hey Rob, can you come out with me? Let's have a quick chat. So what you're doing yeah. then is like you're, it shows that you're addressing it to everyone because they know yeah. that, right, we all need to be – but you're not putting this like losing – face or anything not making it yeah. public yeah and for saying Rob. hey what's going on and i um, i think it was something going on outside of a lot of the time it's this is the thing people don't check in their problems at the door when they come to a workshop we're human so um you can do as best your job but people have things going on in their lives as well so and we often attribute stuff to maybe it's me yeah, yeah. and it's difficult you can't control what people like i keep saying uh <laughs> yeah what what they think feel say and do it's yeah that's why, it's, that's why it's a wicked environment. <laughs> so do you ever feel like going into facilitation, obviously you've got the, this volatile situation mm. potentially, you've got people from all walks of life in the business that are coming in. Do you ever feel like you're walking into like you know, through the <laughs> gates of hell or into the lion's den, you know, like what's what's going to happen today? Do you ever have that yeah. feeling? Yeah, Yeah, of course. And that's why I love day twos of work. Day, the second day of workshop, I'm so much more relaxed because everyone knows each other. Yeah. But um, I think as well, we're talking about that whole prevention. Like now through over 70 episodes of my podcast and talking to people, it's all about framing the day. There's a lot of stuff that can be done before the workshop even begins. So like yeah. I can talk to it, ring up a few participants or find out stuff from their managers. I can come in early, set up the room. So it creates a really welcoming atmosphere. There's, there's all these different things that you can do now to sort of prevent as much as you can rather than just have it as like, okay, people walk in, everything's set up the same as a power. This is what they're expecting yeah, yeah. to walk in PowerPoint up the side, me coming and introducing myself and starting. Yeah, That's start. the, yeah. So and I, I spoke about this on my most recent episode is something called the ragged start where it's like, all right, yeah. I'm going to put some activities around the room, bit of music, not like corny stuff. We spoke about our favorite yeah, yeah. playlist on our, that podcast, Thomas. Um, and it's more focusing on welcoming people and creating that environment. So, because they're also really uncertain about what's to happen as well. Mm. They want to be put at ease as quickly too. So it's win-win. Yeah, right. Our very first workshop that we ran, mm. we put about four days of content mm. into eight hours. Oh, yeah. And we just cooked people. And we mm. could tell yeah. by probably two o'clock yep. by afternoon tea, they were done yeah. and they would kind of get in a bit antsy antsy and we had no idea how to pull it back mm. yeah i remember so that was a good two years ago now and we've come so far thank goodness yeah i distinctly remember looking around the room and there was two girls sitting together at one table and they looked like they had just like run a marathon yeah they'd been thinking so hard and so engaged and they just ran out <laughs> and i think more importantly as well was after that workshop we went we went down the road to the pub for a drink and we were cooked yeah. We poured so much effort into that day and we couldn't have, you know, done a day two. Mm. No. Yeah, and that all comes back to being realistic as well with the clients because that's the that's it, what's happening to it. Like we used to run these 10-day leadership courses at my old company back before my time. They've been reduced yeah. to two days. Like no one's got the time to actually do, yes. get all the information, but they want that same result. So there's a challenge in your design. It's like how do we give them the result they want and condense all this information that we have and then you've got to be realistic with the client and go, look, we can yeah. move, we can maybe make some movement on these two objectives, but out of the 10 in a day, these are the two we'd suggest going with. So 
it's having that conversation. Around the two o'clock mark after lunch is always tricky. So yeah. I'd suggest yes. like maybe like a bit of a, like a video or getting everyone to just get outside and go for a walk and talk about what they've learned, just get some air. Again, bringing in that contrast. and Yeah, we live in your loan and you yeah. some more. Yeah, because yeah, you see it and you're like, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm going to have to give you more information. Okay. Yeah. And again, it's that balance between information and inspiration. If we can't give you all yeah. the information, maybe we inspire a bit to continue yes, this great. conversation later. Yes. So what's the best advice you could offer to somebody who is about to facilitate or speak for the first time? Well, congratulations. Like, good on you for accepting the opportunity. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, my philosophy is you can only get better by getting time on your feet. So I yep. think I'm sure your expectations are really high. And I remember back to one of the first workshops I ran, everything was so regimented. And that's okay. I think whatever you're comfortable with, prepare it so you'll feel comfortable doing it and then reflect on the experience and iterate after that. Get feedback from people that were in the room, people that you trust. Um some good advice that I also had was when someone observed me facilitating. Uh, Nikki McMurray, she was on my, one of my early episodes. Yep. And I didn't realise I was doing this. <laughs> I kept saying, like, introducing activities and then going, pens down. Oh. <laughs> like, there'll be a group activity, like, pens down. Okay, everyone. <laughs> I'm like, I never, I would have kept life. exactly like Leanne. And she said the feedback was so beautiful and specific so I could work yeah. on it. Yep. But there's no way I would have picked that up without having someone that I trusted and honest observing me. I still would be saying it. So, so I think, um, first of all, well done on taking up the opportunity. And whatever happens, keep going. Get back on the horse. Don't put too much pressure on yourself to be as good as the people that you admire just yet. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. It can be very easy to look at someone and their skill level and just think like I could never measure up to that or I should measure up to that Yeah. when there's so many years or so much foot time. Yeah, big time. Like you said, yeah, um, yeah you, you shouldn't be expected to be at that level immediately. I know, I know, and you really do want to sort of bridge that gap as quickly as you can. And, and I think it does come back to exposure to different environments, different audiences, different workshops. It, it's all about getting that variety under your belt, which yeah. does take the time. Yeah. That's the yes. great thing about getting older, actually, just getting the experience. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the only thing. <laughs> What I like is the realisation that's taken me all this time to kind of work out is that nobody knows what they're doing in life. Everybody oh, is actually Everyone's just an working imposter. it out. Yeah. Everyone. Every, you look at people and think they've got, um, I don't wait, swear, but they've got their stuff together. <laughs> and they're as, it's crazy the amount of people that are just killing it in life, but their lack of confidence is incredible. But they just give it a go, right? Because I think that's it. You build mm. it or you do it and then the confidence comes afterwards. But you've got to do it first. You can't just fake confidence. That, that's certainly something we say, and I think <laughs> yep. posted just recently, is confidence begins after you begin. Oh, I love that. You, you, yeah. You've got to be on your feet and to, to yeah. do it. I think this, the, one of the reasons people fear public speaking, be it facilitation or main stage or what have you, is if you're learning any skill, like literally any skill that takes more than you know, a week, if it's driving a car or dance or what, what have you, mm. you can always practice in private. Mm. Speaking. Oh, nobody's looking. Yep. Speaking. The first time you do it is the first time you do it, right? And that's why it's terrifying because you don't get to be a little bit crap in private. You can rehearse against a wall all you want, but at some point, rubber yeah. hits the road and you've got to be on you your feet. Exactly. And nothing can replicate those nerves you get, but like those that two minutes beforehand, you can't yeah. invent that at home and deal with yeah. it and get your breathing ready. You can't. It's only yeah. when that adrenaline, everything's going out of control. That's yeah. such a cool feeling, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> after that first minute and you're like, oh, this is fine. Yeah. Actually, that's what I'm, I'm, I've got this quote. Um, have you guys seen the Warren Buffett doco? No. no. Oh, I, amazing. Yeah, right. So he's got all these amazing qualifications, but the only certificate he he hangs up in his office is the Dale Carnegie one about public speaking because he was terrified. He'd vomit every time. Yep. Wow. But then he, I like this quote from him. I thought I'll share it. Uh, and he wrote, if you can't communicate, it's like winking at a girl in the dark. Nothing happens. You can have all the brain power in the world, but you have to be able to transmit it. And he says that um, he told a class of business students that effective public speaking raises a person's value by 50% instantly. Yep. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, he's the richest man in the world. And for him to say well, that <laughs> is like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we see it all the time. Um, we work with a lot of technical people, engineers, accountants, um, IT groups, mm. and they are some of the most brilliant minds and they have so much trouble like getting it out of their mind into their mouth. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And that's, it's like they've got that brain power, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because how can you convey that to someone else and really show your value, key skill? But that's communication is taking ideas and thoughts that are in your head mm. and look at us wirelessly transmitting it <laughs> into somebody else's head. Yes. Yeah, I love that. So what's a book or resource that's influenced the way that you facilitate and or speak? Well, what I was listening to, uh, I think you guys, used, I don't know if Thomas, Michael Port steal the show. I listened to him. Yep. Religiously. I've got that book. I love Michael yeah, Ford. Yeah, yeah, I love Michael <laughs> Ford as well. Yeah. And he talked about things like not saying absolutes, which I brought in. So when you're giving like a fact or something, you say it seems like dot, dot, dot. Because if you say this is what leaders do, that's a that's 100% fact. Leaders do this. But if you say it seems like a lot of leaders use these words and it opens it yes. up. Because so, you always get someone with an exception to yeah. it. And then the second they pipe up, then you got you don't want to have a battle. Everything. It all, no, it all yeah. falls apart. Say, look, it seems like a lot of leads, like what have you found in your experience? It's a bit more open mm. and people can accept that a bit more. So that was a really mm-hmm. great lesson. He's got a ton of useful insights like that, uh, Michael Port, but it is all about the one-way kind of delivery. So, Would you recommend any podcasts? <laughs> are you ask, Are you baiting me to, re- to talk about my own podcast? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> but that, that back to what I was saying. So Michael Port's all about the kind environment. If you want a wicked environment, my podcast is First Time Facilitator, where we talk about all the unpredictable experiences that can come up in workshops and some strategies and how to work on those. And lastly, Leanne, where can people find you? Great. So if they want to see what sort of services and workshops I run, that's at yep. leannehughes.com or my podcast at First Time Facilitator. Um, and I love, I'm really obsessed with LinkedIn at the moment. So I'd mm-hmm. love a connection request on LinkedIn mentioning that you heard this episode. Um, love to connect with you there. Excellent. Thank you very much for being on the Presentation Boss so Podcast. Thank you so much for the invite. It's been a pleasure talking to you both. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. We'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know more, check out presentationboss.com.au slash podcast, where you'll find show notes for today with links to everything we've discussed. If you have a recommendation for someone you'd love to hear from in this show, or think you have something of value you'd like to share, send us an email at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. We're always happy to hear your thoughts and take suggestions for future episodes. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information in this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend. Have a great week.